We should be dancing, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Football Ramble. The international break is underway and Stephen Davis could make history tonight. It's Thursday, 8th of October. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Eddie Russell. That's right, it's me, Marcus Speller. It's not Jules Breach. She couldn't make it in today, so I'm stepping in the void. I said, hang on a minute, Olivier Giroud has got his 100th cap. I demand that I put this to Jim Campbell. He is the second greatest goal scorer in France football history. It's just a fact, isn't it? It's just a cold <laughs> fact. Although, reports just in are saying that Michel Platini will be appealing it. Um, <laughs> is he allowed to? Is he well, still banned from football? It, it doesn't matter if he's allowed to. He's going to do it anyway, isn't he? But generally, it doesn't go very well for him no. so I think Giroud's probably safe with his record oh dear He's- Andy Brassel look at you beaming for steaming Oli Giroud yes I am I'm delighted for him mm. I'm absolutely yeah. delighted for him he's going to go down as the the greatest kind of okay player in history isn't he do you know what I mean <laughs> his record is going to just be, he's such a confusing player Giroud because mm-hmm. I, I love him I, I want to make that absolutely clear he's a brilliant brilliant player he's got so so much to his game yeah he but doesn't th- score that many goals this, though does he there is this thing around him that he just isn't quite in that top bracket but gradually mm-hmm. you know second second top scorer in the history of France that's yeah. that's amazing uh-huh. it's good be, on him it's going to be amazing get him a he, statue everywhere when he catches Thierry Henry that's going to be amazing I think he will He's, yeah, yeah, definitely. Is he nine goals away? Obviously, yeah. the decision to retire from club football to concentrate on international football. Is looking, <laughs> it worked for Michael Owen. Intelligent every day. Yeah, it did. Sort for of. a bit. <laughs> like, uh, for a couple of games, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. He also got his 100th cap as well. Well, what's, what's amazing is his quality is nothing to do with his, his goals. It's what he mm. does for other people. It's what he does for mm-hmm. the team. I thought this recently. But you but, say but, that he's the second top scorer in France. But, but that's it. It's, it's amazing that in the end, that what we think of him is going to be described by goals. Mm. Which that that is the totally is the point. The it? totally weird bit. Utterly. He's, he's, it's, it's he's a like, like a magic eye painting. That's <laughs> <laughs> really beautiful. He did his best at the World Cup to try and put us off the scent of his goal scoring record. Yeah. By what did he that was a tribute to Givash, wasn't it? I think so. Because he's just got so much to him. Yeah. I did. It was, oh, you've got to love him. You've got to absolutely love him. Another big win for France. Andy, you're going to have a deeper dive uh, in, in, in on the continent about France. and uh, Michelle? Uh, and more. So do get yourself over to Football Ramble Presents uh, to, to listen to On the Continent because that will be extremely sexy, uh, no doubt. Speaking of sexy, um, did you see um, Spain and, and Portugal faced off, or more importantly, Ronaldo and Ramos faced off, and they're, they're talking again, Jim. Do you hear about this? Apparently, when Luka Modric won the Ballon d'Or, he had the bloody sheer gall to win the Ballon d'Or off Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. Ronaldo was very, very angry about this. Mm. For some reason, Sergio Ramos got involved and those two had a falling out. A clash of the time. And apparently haven't spoken reportedly for two years. But there was a picture of them in the dressing room after. Ramos had his top off. I'm not, I think Cristiano Ronaldo has had his on. So very strange. That thing. is unusual. It is unusual, yeah. But it's a still photo, so you can't actually tell whether they're speaking or not. Yeah, that's true. But they were, they were very happy. They were, they were very mm. cordial. But Pepe was there. Presumably just to make sure. To mediate. Yeah. Imagine. The bouncer <laughs> in the meeting. Pepe so, is the cool head in the room. Yeah. He's the United <laughs> Nations of the piece. You know, who would have thought? 
Andy, you 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 uh, were you aware that there was a falling out between these two fine gentlemen? I was aware that it was reported. Yeah, um, but it wouldn't have been the first fallout that Sergio Ramos and Cristiano Ronaldo had <laughs> I can in imagine. all that time at, at Real Madrid as the two alpha dogs, and mm. Sergio Ramos only becoming more alpha as the days, months, and, and, and years passed. I, I don't think it's particularly surprising, but I also don't think it's particularly indicative to say, well, they haven't spoke since. Like he left Real Madrid because Cristiano Ronaldo has not spoken to most of them since. Who since has he's he spoken to? Real Madrid. He said most of them. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Luka I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's he still he still sends probably a box of Maltesers mm. to Karen Benzema at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Benzema's with a, with definitely a, with a little note saying I still love you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marcelo and, and Ronaldo are quite good mates. Is that the case? Yeah, very yeah. good, very good mates. Yeah, I, I think they were the first footballers, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been Andre Schuler mm-hmm. to <clears throat> do the dance to Asia Chupego by Michel Tello to celebrate a goal. Which one right. was? It? Which dance is that? Um, I, well, I can't really show the listeners here. Is that the foot? You're just going to have it. to. Yeah, you're just going to have to Google okay. it. All right, maybe but, I but will. I think Marcelo and Ronaldo's performance of it was the most memorable. Yeah. No offense, Andre. No, I'm sure he's not offended yeah. at all because he won't have heard you say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think you're making a big leap to assume that Andre Schuler, now retired Andre Schuler, yeah. is not a football ramble listener. I think now he's retired, it's more likely that he's going to be a football ramble listener. True. What about that goal at Burnley for Fulham, eh? We have that and that only uh, memory of him in a Fulham kit. But um, yeah, so so Neil Neil, again, you'll, you'll talk more about that on the continent. Nice for Kepper to keep a clean sheet, though. And your man, Joao Felix, who uh, you were waxing lyrical the other week, Mr. Sitter. Um, elsewhere in the international. Uh, Arena. Frank de Boer lost his first game in charge for the Netherlands. You see what happens when you get rid of Ronald Koeman? That happens, mm. gentlemen. Frank said after the game that he had a bad feeling about the game. That was after the game. Yeah. If you he said that before the game, that would be a bit piss poor. be a bit Han Solo-like yeah. as well. It's also a bit redundant after the game. <laughs> you should have a bad feeling. You lost. Not... <laughs> Mystic Meg. Like, just... What do you feel about that game? We've well, a bad feeling about it. Why is that? Well, we lost. Yeah, actually, yeah. that is quite Dutch. Mm. So that's probably how it went. <laughs> Very blunt one. Yeah. When they were on a really bad run yeah. in Amsterdam, where they'd lost, I think, six in a row mm. in Amsterdam. This was, this was, I guess, pre-Kuman. I remember covering a game there um, against uh, France where they lost and uh, speaking to Kevin Strokeman afterwards and saying, you know, mm. do you think you've got some sort of mental block with, with Amsterdam now? And he went, no, the crash is green, the ball is round. <laughs> I love that. Oh, if you're talking blunt, absolutely unflappable. Yes. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Oh, indeed, indeed. Also, you have to say, in terms of direct comparison, uh-huh. it's bad Atlanta United manager versus good Atlanta United manager mm-hmm. because, of course, Tata Martino on the other side who yes. won the MLS Cup with yes. them. It was his Mexico that won that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, see, it all makes sense in the end, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do, do you think that this, this Cumin thing applies even if he leaves you? Oh, yeah. 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 Just int- intrigued by Unless your... it's Everton and you're getting Big Sam. Big Sam is the uh, antidote. Yeah, he's the equaliser, isn't he? Just saying Barcelona, just in case Xavi doesn't fancy yeah. it come the end of the season. So okay. you defence out. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, <laughs> they won't go down no. if he's in charge. You, you would definitely say that. Um, right, gentlemen, let's uh, let, let's move on. Now, we, we, we've, we've got some um, some sort of uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunate uh, sort of bits and pieces to go through. You know, some Scotland players uh, are not going to be eligible to play uh, tonight because of um, 
uh, you know, testing positive for COVID and so on. Uh, in the second half, we will talk. We will look forward to the games more mm-hmm. in a sort of, I suppose, tactical sense or whatever. Um, but yes, this is this is a thing that's sort of going to run and run, of course, with this um, bloody virus and and so on and so forth. But it's a, it's a great shame for Scotland because you know, Stuart Armstrong, Ryan Christie, and Kieran Tierney have been um, identified uh, as close contacts, so must isolate for fourteen days. So, so they're going to be um, a, a miss. But also in, in among this um, this chat as well, and there were fa- there was a few fans at games last night. I think there might have been a couple of thousand at Spain versus Portugal, and there are yes. calls uh, continuing for fans to be allowed back um, into uh, stadiums in some capacity. Andy, Andy, what do you make of that? Um, I, I can understand, particularly you look at it in a, a an English context, I suppose, yeah. when football fans are able to gather in a cinema to watch a Premier League game, yeah. but but not actually in the stadium outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's all linked to the the, the governmental response on, mm-hmm. on, on coronavirus it's, it, itself. So I, I certainly have sympathy with with football, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, it's, it's like like so many things surrounding the situation. I, th- I think there's obviously there's, there's there's an anxiety to make sure um, football is supported as much as possible. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I do feel slightly uneasy about the taste aspect of saying come on there are so many other things to deal with we've got to work on getting fans back in the stadium as if that's the most important thing yeah i think mm-hmm. when once you get down to league one and two of course it is an important thing if you can get any people in you know that's going to be something in the pot and that could really affect the futures of of, of those clubs but i think i would feel more comfortable if the rhetoric was dialed back a little bit because it's important. It's not the most important thing in society. Yeah, I mean, the Premier League, the EFL, FA, Women's Super League, Women's Championship have all jointly called the government to allow fans back into stadiums, Jim. So there's obviously a, a huge appetite for this. Absolutely. From from within football, there is, yeah. But mm. I think the, um, yeah, 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 I should the, say. the con- concern is, I guess from the government's point of view, is mm-hmm. that they're telling people they can't uh, go to pubs past 10 o'clock and they can't do this and they can't do that. And then opening up stadiums as well looks kind of counterintuitive to that, doesn't mm-hmm. it? So it's all a mess. And I think, mm-hmm. unfortunately... Um, fans being allowed back into stadiums is so is such a high-profile example of public gatherings mm. that whether it's safe or not, it's probably just it's probably not going to be allowed just also, because of also, the look because the optics are, are quite bad. Yeah, I, f- I think that's right. And also, you have to look elsewhere just for us to say they're open everywhere else. That's not really true mm-hmm. because you know you look at, for example, uh, the fact that it's regionalised in Germany. So you had like nine thousand in. Dortmund at last sitting, but whereas Bayern have played two games behind closed doors, that Schalke at the last minute had to play a game behind closed doors. Um, then you look at the fact in in Holland they've they've shut the stadiums for another six weeks, that going back what about a week and a half or, or or whatever. So it's a constantly changing situation. I can understand why there would be some reticence to undertake reopening stadiums when they might have to be shut again straight away. The, the, the fact is the authorities should have been, and I'm not talking about the football authorities, mm-hmm. should have been ahead of this. You know, it's, it's it's just one thing that, another thing, I suppose, that's that's not been planned per, particularly well. But, you know, safety first and we are where we are. Yeah, I know that Kieran Tierney in particular is, is really frustrated by this situation because he says that he's he's followed all the guidelines, followed all the mm. rules. He's now got to isolate for 14 days. He'll miss the game against Man City, of which he will, you know, He's a really, really crucial player to be missing mm-hmm. yeah. for, a, for a tie like that. And it is incredibly frustrating. Obviously, Scotland are playing 
Euro qualifiers, that's fair enough. I think, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to keep the sort of mechanics of football going, a certain amount of international football has to happen. But I, I just cannot see an argument for why there are friendly games happening right now. It's mad. And it's, I, I it's think absurd. the thing is, clearly, national coaches and national associations kind of feel the same way as well. You know, you look at the teams that, that people are putting out this, this week. It's, it's absolutely baffling. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I, I understand there's a financial imperative to a lot of it in terms of TV deals, much as there is with a lot of football. International football is, I think, quite hard to justify at a time mm. like this. Because mm. you're increasing the, the risks of, of people being exposed to things and sort of, yeah. we're seeing it already. It's, there, are, there are definitely going to be cases where players come back um, and are unable to play for whatever reason. And it's just, just an added and at hindrance. What, at what point do you needs. find out? Uh, exactly. You know, you know yeah. are they going to spread it first? Yeah, indeed. Well, like I say, everybody, we, we will um, look forward or look ahead to the games uh, that are happening this evening in the second half. Before then, turn our attention to something a little bit different. Um, the, the idea of B teams playing in uh, the EFL has, has, has surfaced again. I mean, I suppose for some people it's never really gone away, but this has been a chat that's been around for a few years now. Uh, Manchester City Chief Exec Farhan Serrano uh, suggested that the inclusion of Premier League B teams in, in the wider football pyramid as the current e- e- EFL business model is not sustainable enough. Um, says there are other problems, the challenges of developing players in England where B teams are not allowed. We have development gap of boys that are 17 or 18 they don't find the right place to develop and for, for example they're taken from us by German teams who try to sell them back for a price which is 10 times what they paid now you can see where his motivations well, coming from you can only see his motivations <laughs> yeah. it's just it's barefaced and, and I, I, I hate this idea yeah. I have to say I absolutely detest the idea <laughs> of, of B teams but of, it'll help Manchester City Jim well, in, well so, you know what I hadn't looked at it like that help uh, them save a few quid as yeah. well which is what we all want to see isn't I know it? Yeah. why can't you see it from someone else specifically Specifically, uh, their point of view. I hadn't thought about. You know, I, hadn't, I'm, I haven't been looking at it with my right. corporate head on. That's exactly, the problem I've exactly. got here. And I, what I don't like about this is the certainty in, in Soriano's um, um, rhetoric. I suppose you would say I find it incredibly worrying because I think he's talking about it with a confidence that makes me think it probably will happen in a few years. Particularly as we're, we're in a situation where actually maybe financially it would it would help the EFL and they need everything they can get at the moment. Mm. And short I just, short term, yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. I, I, I think you can make an argument for that, but long term, you have to bear in mind that you know we always talk about the the, the Premier League as being England's international product that's consumed all over the world and mm-hmm. that, that we should be extremely proud of. Well. I always find, I've, I've said this before, when you speak to people outside the UK mm-hmm. on England's football culture, the thing that they, most people remark on is they think, I can't believe that you guys have football in the fourth and fifth division that's broadcast live on television mm. and thousands of people turn up at. Yeah, yep. you know that That is an enormous asset mm-hmm. that I think a lot of Premier League clubs and leaders don't even think well, about the and don't itself. even care about the championship is enormous yeah. but, but it goes it goes lower than that mm. you, you know it does yeah, pe- yeah people people find it amazing yeah. i mean I, I remember um speaking to um roman vosselo when he was a french guy who's played most of his career in the lower divisions over here when when he was playing at leighton orient and he said when you get mates over and and they they come and watch you at a game they're like holy shit this is mm, incredible yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i expected to come and see you with like 200 people and, yeah, you know yeah. who came and watched you at a, a brisbane road with 5000 people mm-hmm. and it's real football culture and it's, it's it's something that i think people are going 
more and more to find to mm-hmm. uh, you know people from abroad to reconnect mm-hmm. with a sort of old football culture that they maybe thought was was gone is is something that's immensely valuable yeah. to England's reputation as a, as a football nation, I think it's incredibly short-sighted to, to overlook that. And and that just won't be the same. I, I, th- I think to assume that there'll be the same competitiveness and the same interest mm-hmm. once it's diluted with, with, with B teams, I think is, is, is completely wrong. England stands, is al- England stands alone for a reason. Yeah, I, I think as, as well. Like, <laughs> just to clip that in isolation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andy, get your head out of politics. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to make friends with you, Marcus. Hey. <laughs> um, if I can, um, you know, just add to what Lawrence is just sorry. If I could. <laughs> He's got the day off today. Leave him alone. <laughs> so I th- you, you're right, Andy. Like the championship, certainly in the past, has been within been among the top five most well-attended leagues in Europe. I think there's a point where more people were going to championship games than were to Serie A games. It's a really, really special thing. And also, there's so much riding on it, mm-hmm. as there is with any, you know, any second division, that to... Where do you stop it? If Man City get a team, do Man United get one? Do Liverpool get one? Do, do the so, supposed top six, are they all mm-hmm. eligible to have one? Like, how many how many teams do you throw down there? And, I was about to say, you know, does, that does Fulham at, get one, but then they might actually end up playing yeah. them? <laughs> 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 Split into two clubs, might as well. Yeah. But yeah, um, it, it just... you. Dilute is exactly the right word. I mean, that, that comes at the expense of a team. Perhaps, perhaps what Soriano's assuming is that some clubs will go out of business and their league places will be taken by by, mm. by second teams of, of, of Premier League. He's teams, obviously but, very concerned about. Oh, that. he's very very concerned. He's just he's just a, he's just a guy trying to find solutions, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eventually, though, it's a it's a slower death because yeah. if if you do that, mm. if the idea is it's a training competition mm. rather than a competition Absolutely. in itself, people stop giving a shit. Yeah, exactly. People yeah. stop coming. People stop paying the price you're charging on the gate now I don't think the two ideas of being against B teams and you know think I think you can think that there should be no B teams and yet the EFL has to really sort itself out yeah, as an institution and yeah. the clubs really have to sort out the way they do business yeah. it's not mutually exclusive to, but, to but, think but if a question's things. being raised you don't therefore take any answer as as as, yeah. as as you see, as, but, I mean, as you... everyone seems to be saying the Premier League needs to sort of step in and and, and do something, and that, that's an understandable point of view because obviously that's where a hell of a lot of the money is. But the fact that you know Soriano is putting forward this idea where it's like, yeah, well, we could definitely help mm-hmm. for a for a price. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of insidious. Now, don't it's like Dragons really like Den, it. basically, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. But you, you, you're going to have teams fighting to stay in the in the division and fighting to get out of the division, and then what? You've got these, you know. Two or two or four or however mm. many kind of effectively glorified yeah. friendlies in the middle of it. The it thing just, is, he, it, he really showed his hand though, because when he said about you know the development gap of seventeen and eighteen year olds and so on, you see, well, I can, I can sort of understand that. And then and then you know, as, as as an England fan, you could even be kind of charmed into thinking, oh well, would that produce more players? We've there are a number of players that have gone on to play for England and, and done yeah. good things, not just England, but done good things when they've gone on loan spells in the EFL and, and so on and so forth. But then he goes on to say, and they're taken from us by German teams who try to sell them back. You're talking about Jaden Sancho? Yeah, yeah, Do you know, yeah, yeah. You're talking about this player, that, and you think, like, oh, well, I see. Yeah. I that, think he's talking about Jamie Bino-Gittens, actually. He's talking about all of them, Andy. <laughs> but, 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 but B teams do operate in other countries, yeah, as, as you mentioned. You know, Spain's an obvious one, and yeah. Germany as well. Yeah. And that's an odd one, because you, I, I totally see how Real Madrid and Barcelona have got B teams. But, that's, but, they, but, they, but they, they can't... They're the equivalent in Germany, aren't they? They're sort of unstoppable machine. They can't yeah, go above the third the tier. Way. 
It's, okay, so that's a bit different to yeah, Spain. Yeah, is, is, is the other difference. Mm. But how does that operate then? Does that, does that seem to be a success? Is it viewed with suspicion and regret in Germany? Um, I think a lot of German football supporters look over at League One and League Two and think we'd rather have that, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, f- football is corporate now. It's naive to suggest otherwise. That's just, it's, it's just part of it, isn't it? We've it's all not breaking into news, it. is it? No, well, exactly. <laughs> but I would be really, really interested to see to hear from Man City fans on this and what they think of it. Like, do any of them think it's a good idea? Do you like, do you actually, you know, looking at where the club have come from and what the club means to the sort of the actual, to, to, you know, to, to you as a fan? Like, it's a conspiracy, I, I, Jim. If Arsenal wanted a B team, they'd get it. <laughs> you really think? That, I mean, you, you may have ha- dinosaur mascot. If, if you want, if that's to... on the table, I'll be up for it. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're doing a call to arms with this kind of thing, you may get some problem replies like that. Yeah, absolutely, but I, I'm genuinely int- intrigued to hear from anybody who actually does think it's a good idea I re- that, I re- that isn't just kind of you know motivated by their own club doing well. I, I reckon there would be supporters who would take to it. I mean, you, you talk there about. Um, say, buy and be or whatever, Marcus. Mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting point because you do have some supporters, for example, who would follow buy and be because they feel that buy and first team is a little bit too corporate now. Yeah. A bit like the people who went off and formed the FC United of Manchester. Yeah. It's not like an AFC Wimbledon situation where they had to mm-hmm. form a new club because mm-hmm. the, the, the other club had basically disappeared. Yeah. But they thought, no, we we are reacting to what we see as the over-corporate nature mm-hmm. of this club and we don't like the way it's been mm-hmm. running so we want to run stuff on a different level. And so that idea of people going back to the roots and going back to a more, I don't know, real yeah, but- form of football in, in, in a term, I, th- I think you will get... I think you will get some supporters like that. Yeah, you would. But this, so I didn't have that much of an opinion on this before we started talking, and now I, I very much am in your camp, chap. You'll be pleased to know. Um, but I, I just think to myself, if you are, a, you know, a, a football club who are in the top division, and you, you know, your big sort of corporate sort of thing, and so on, that, that, that's fine. That's inevitable. Earn just they've earned the success, or however they've done it. Fair. That, that, there's no. You, you don't want to hate success. You don't want to hate club. You know, you've got to sure. move with it, and so on. So no, no problems with that you don't get to then have your kind of little indie outfit or whatever you want to call it, your kind of grassroots outfit in a lower league as well. And if you do, start from start from the Combined Counties League. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, but, don't, but, don't nick a place in League 1 or League 2. Okay, fair enough. But Well, that's a... Yeah, okay. But I'm just saying that... Follow the, the Salford City fairy tale. Exactly. But, 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 but for those clubs who are not the big behemoths of football and so on, they, they have the positives which the big boys don't have. You know, the, you, they have that sort of thing that you just talked about, the more community feel, blah, 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 blah. Don't... You you can't claim both, essentially, if you are a Manchester City or a Chelsea or an Arsenal or or whoever. Um, All right, everybody, let's have a quick break. Hi, I'm Linvoy Primus and you're listening to the Football Ramble. Oi, oi. Linford Grimes. (laughs) Love a bit of LP there. Is is he the first player named after a, an, an American alternative rock band that we've had introduced <laughs> the second I half? I assume so. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe Andy. Now I look, I look forward to uh, John Jane's addiction doing yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> um, gentlemen, I have uh, very exciting news. Very exciting news indeed. We've got an email jingle, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for emails. <laughs> Just even a show at footballramble.com Right now, so Peter, Vish, or Kate, or Jules, or Jim, or 
Oh God, <laughs> worth the wait. Mm. <laughs> worth the wait in the grand it probably cost him. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I, 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 yeah, it's good to know he's. I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he's not gone away from his original sound. You yeah, know, he's kind of giving the people what they want, Marcus. Yeah, he's staying exactly. true to his roots. He's staying true uh, to his roots. Yeah, so there he we is. Are. Um, so on with the emails. Uh, Rick Duncan in Kampala, Uganda, uh, no less, has been in touch. Uh, he says, hi, Ramblers. Loving the emails on what people have heard during matches. I've got a little one uh, that's a bit different. Um, during my Sunday league days in Essex, we had an away game at Love Lane Boys. Uh, around 6-0 down, <laughs> their captain ran to the halfway line to mime a trumpet gesture and sing out a trumpet noise. I think that's what he means. Uh, followed by <laughs> charge. Oh, I love his that. team lined up alongside him and proceeded to rush us en masse. Excellent. Sadly, the tactic didn't work as we simply played it over their vanguard line and scored past the stranded keeper who clearly wasn't in on it. <laughs> they only tried this once in the game, though the organisation clearly showed it was pre-planned. I wonder if any other listeners have come up against other bizarre tactics in their days. Game ended 14-1. Their goal came after the ball bounced back into play off an oak tree without the ref noticing. <laughs> 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 love the show. I mean, I, 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 we're going to assume that's true. That's marvelous. That that rush that he talks about that has happened. There's been similar mm. things. Mighty uh, Ducks, right? Mighty Ducks is is a good example. Um, one of the one of the lads' dads who used to come and watch us play football always used to go on to us about. He wanted one week for us to do what he called the Scunthorpe Rush. Right. I may have mentioned this years ago on on uh, the Ramble, but the like scun- a dance craze from like <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> exactly, like uh, a Northern Soul or something. But um, it, it was it, apparently they did it. He he said they did this in a game in an FA Cup match. He th- he said it was against Liverpool back in like the eighties or something like that. that I mean, if he's <laughs> Jesus, this is, if, yeah, this is oh, no, the standard I expected. No, I've got a better one than this. But just, just bear with me. So this must there must be footage of this because he wasn't at the game and he saw it. So there must be like some BBC archive footage if he's tr- if it's true. But basically, the idea was you kick off and then you launch the ball to the fullback. The opposition fullback or in the channel and then you all just rush him Yeah, and he said that uh, the, the, the fullback whoever it was I mean I can't imagine a Liverpool fullback at the time like being p- particularly perturbed by that No, but basically they, they, sort of, they won a corner or something like that however if you're aware of um uh, Ali, oh, what's his name? Ali McLeod, was it? The Scotland manager? Yeah. 1978, round then, um, who was a real character. There's a great book about uh, called uh, how, how, Scotland, how a Team Lost the World Cup or something like that about Scotland in 78. And his Scotland side did this in a qualifier against, I think, Czechoslovakia. And they, they tried this rush against the fullback because he was a bit mad. And, and all the fullback did is just launch it over their heads. Yeah. The man ran through a goal. He hit the post so he didn't score. And everyone was like, Ali, what the... Are you playing at you yeah. know this tactic? Yeah, so this has happened at, at a high level in in professional football. See, amazing. we should we should say when this was uh, emailed in by Rick, um, the subject was um, the problem with Bayern's high, li- high line. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of that. Could you imagine your tactics being just just punt it out to um, Andy Robertson or Trent Alexander and yeah. Arnold and then just get onto him? Yeah, wouldn't work, would it? It just wouldn't <laughs> be absolute suicide. <laughs> They've got like a forty-yard head start. <laughs> they, can, they can see you all coming, and the fact is, like uh, some of their players will be inside their own half, so yeah. they can—they're all on side. Oh dear, Sunday League footballers. 
give it a go and get in touch. That's what I would say. Uh, email here from James Isles, who says, Hi, everyone. Just adding my take to the Ozil situation. The line I thought was most interesting in his tweet was, for as long as I'm an Arsenal oh, player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, he's saying to all the fans that if they want him to leave and get off the wage bill, then I'm taking Gunnosaurus with me. It is an incredible, <laughs> it's an incredible power move. And you know what? I've got a theory on this that I, I mentioned earlier oh, to yeah, you guys. Go on, I think he's being coached by his former manager, um, Jose Mourinho, in the ways of the dark mm. arts. I think he might even be smooth in the way for it to, to, you know, cross the divide. Yeah. Run that contract down, have a season with Jose over at Spurs, <laughs> proper two fingers to Arsenal. I think that does make sense I can sense see it happening. Me. Yeah, well, of course, people are always looking at a way in which the financials would work so he could get a season or two back in the Bundesliga. I mean, if, I think if you went to talk, talk about him going to one of his former clubs, Gunnosaurus would fit in really well at Werder Bremen. He'd fit in well anywhere, Andy. He's the best mascot in the world. Although it would look like he was naked when he was wearing their strip, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm, that's true. Well, most, all dinosaurs other than him are naked, as yeah. far as I understand it. So it's all, a all, consistent. All, all animals, really. Well, standard, yeah. Standards were different four million years ago, Jim. Exi- well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, four million? I think it's a bit longer <laughs> ago than that. I, 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 I sort of thought about the question. Yeah, fine. Um, email here. Last email uh, for today. Alex Norman. Hi, guys. Following the conversation yesterday about how anyone could be a mascot, I wanted to make you aware of an incident, an incident involving the Philadelphia Phillies mascot who looks a little like the Arsenal mascot. While using the hot dog cannon to fire food into the crowd, the Philly fanatic, great name, managed to hospitalise a woman mm, uh, by hitting her in the face with a hot dog. She's fine! Clearly the job of a mascot requires a certain level of skill and thus deserves £80,000 a year. Hopefully we don't see this anytime soon in the Premier League with pies at half-time, especially not at Fulham. Mm. Well, of course, we won't see it for, for a while. There are no fans in the, in the stands. But, I mean, my goodness, yeah, duh. Isn't that how Maud Flanders died? Yes. Like getting right, knocked yeah. off the back of the stand. Spoilers. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely it, it's right. It's Homer's fault as well. Isn't it, it was a t-shirt uh, cannon. Hot dog cannon? What is that? What are they doing? I'm into the idea of that, got to be honest. You, get your hot, you go to the game with your hot dog mitt prepared, mm-hmm. and then you're fine. Um, I, yeah, but I, I'm just worried that... Um, Do you not have a hot dog mitt? N- no. Should I have? Yeah, I didn't know as well. I'm just, I'm just concerned that that food will go to waste, Jim. Yeah, fair enough. Uh-huh. The, the, the only thing I've seen close to that is when you go for a burger in Russia at a pub. You know the sort of pub that would like serve you a a, a burger on sort of a, a piece of wood. Sorry, Andy, did you say when you go for a burger in Russia? In a pub in Russia, yeah. Right. Okay. No, I don't know that. Well, basically, they bring you the burger yeah, of course, out. Of course, I don't know why I just acquiesced there. No, no idea. They, they 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 bring you a burger out, and they bring you a pair of black disposable gloves, like a tattoo artist. Like you're going to murder wear. the burger. <laughs> They're going to strangle it. Pretty much. I mean, because you know, loaded burgers can be quite a messy. True. Eat. It's it's actually very very reasonable, although maybe not that environmentally yeah. friendly because they are rubber gloves. It is oh. a good idea because burgers are. Neither of you will know about this, but burgers are generally a very very good hangover food, or they're perceived as one. But they are mm. a bit of a mess, so they they do have a lot of admin in 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 terms of your hands, a lot of hand admin. So bur- gloves are a good idea. Why are you having a burger for breakfast? Just well, no, I've I've not got up for breakfast on a bit like this. <laughs> this is lunch Sorry, at yeah. best. I was there in Menorca with you, Jim. Yeah, I should know better. I wasn't there. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Fun Jim was there. Yeah. Anyway, oh, I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> I bloody love that man, wherever he may be currently, in the depths of the real Jim Campbell mm. or the fake Jim Campbell. Anyway, speaking of fun, gentlemen, um, international football is very much upon us, and of course, England are playing Wales this evening in an irresponsible friendly. Yeah. Well, but they haven't had international travel. 
True. So when you're saying about the friendlies, I understand the point about that. So, so England-Wales, as always, playing very much above the board. Um, Jose Mourinho has messaged Gareth Southgate with an apology after calling him Gary Southgate. Now, he mentioned this, uh, was it on Sunday before the Manchester United game as well? But he said, um, he, you know, I had no issues with that. He only needs to get one Gareth right and he will score all the goals for him, which is, of course, Gareth Bale. So, again, wrong. So what's, what's the issue with it that is just... Like over familiar, yeah. He just doesn't care, does he? I think that they're, they're trying to it's like, so the media are trying to just blow it into something. Like, oh, come on, <laughs> piss can off. I, can I, I've got enough problems with my own squad. Can I just get on with sorting that? <laughs> but if it have called him Gaz, would that have been okay? I think because so, yeah. that that's familiar. Whereas Gary just seems like he doesn't know what his actual name yeah. is. Yeah, I, I apologise to Mister Northgate. Yeah, you've got <laughs> you've either you've got to go all in or or stick to what, what what everyone calls him you can't Gary's too much of a halfway house if he said like Gazzy Southgate I think mm. it would be like well he's obviously pissing around Gary's so. also a bit of a dead name isn't it I don't, there are no babies called Gary now I think like there were no Gary's born in the UK in the last like, year or so so it's you, really you know, mm. what a comprehensive study you've done there yeah, Jim yeah. No Gary's born in the UK <laughs> yeah I honestly I remember reading right. a headline to that effect if you've uh if you've recently had a Gary, then do let us know. Let us know yeah. um, but England, gentlemen, um, there, there has been some more sort of serious tones coming from um, old G Southgate uh, about the players, of course, who attended Tammy Abraham's uh, party. Surprise party. Surprise yes. party and, and, and so on. So there's been some pullouts from, from the squad and, and so on and so forth, as, as, as we know. But Southgate has said this last time when they were away in Iceland with the Foden and Greenwood stuff, and he said that a lot of the hard work they put in reconnecting the England side to the fans, the good work at the World Cup, and he said they went into the World Cup in 2018, relaxed, there was no off-field nonsense going on, it was calm, and he said if you compare that to one or two of the other teams where there was some off-field stuff happening, it did disrupt them. Um, and so he, he's very keen to, to, to keep that calm, as, as you could imagine. There is a tournament you know hopefully still happening uh, come the summer and next year um so there's some important football for england to be to be had uh, and southgate also spoke about how they've got 10 players from that squad in 2018 which is which is funny isn't it it shows you how quickly yeah, things yeah. move yes, you know there's only 10 and he said those 10 players were a big part of that but a lot of the other players in the squad haven't been a part of that especially some of the younger players he said they don't have the credit in the bank as he mm. worded it yeah. with some of the supporters and some of their behaviors and he's very keen for those players to not just say look don't just kind of come in in the slipstream of these players and then do what you want so it's a strong message you're yeah. sending out. It, absolutely, but, but I think there is a danger, isn't it, that some of these players are so young, they don't understand that this mm-hmm. has been the case, that these bridges have needed to be built between mm-hmm. you know, England and, and the fans of England and also the media to a degree. Like It does feel a little bit like all of that hard work is starting to unravel because there have been three incidents, really, if you inc- include Harry Maguire's situation, which obviously mm-hmm. is a, a little bit different and very sure. complicated, but still is annoyingly sort of typical of how things used to be with England. And... Another worry I have is actually looking at that the makeup of this current squad, and obviously he's using, he's taking the opportunity to experiment and you know bringing players in that haven't been involved that much before, and, and younger players getting a shot. But I think if you ask Gareth Southgate what his starting lineup was likely to be for the first game in in Euro twenty twenty, I don't think he'll know mm-hmm. like right no. now, and it really smacks of him not of mm-hmm. him still not being sure what team he's going to pick and almost how he's going to play as well. And it feels worryingly late. For, yep. the, for this to for it to still seem this way because we were obviously hoping that you know we build on an amazing World Cup 
the tournament being delayed is is, is difficult. On a decent showing um, in the UEFA Nations League last yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely as well. As well. I like everything heading in the right direction. Uh, Doesn't maybe feel Jim. I like how you're tying the party line. You're still calling it Euro 2020. But that absolutely, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just it's got it's on board official with that. name. No, I yeah. know it is. I know yeah. it is. I'm, I'm just calling it the Euros. Yeah. Can we just do it? Euro, <laughs> can we do Euro '96 again? <laughs> <laughs> Euros sort of B side or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, Andy. What about Southgate? There's talk about the formation. If you look at the players he's picked, you know, it's a huge uh, squad of 30 because there's obviously three mm. quite a busy international break mm. for England. Um, there's a lot of defenders in there. Yes. Uh, and and there's not too many central midfielders, if you like. It suggests that he's going to go for a back three with some of the players he's picked in the formation against Denmark. And there's a lot of talk about a 3-4-3. Three, three. I'm not quite convinced by that formation, looking at the players England have. I'm, I'm not convinced that there's enough time to work on it. Yep. I, I think that's really the issue. Mm. And, and that's, you know, going back to what Jim was saying before about what's the possible justification for having international friends, friendlies this week. Well, from a football perspective, if we take away all the other contexts, which is very hard to divorce of ourselves course, yeah, from, yeah. and that is the most important thing, um, they've got so little time to actually work with these players before the mm. Euros. And especially mm. when you bear in mind how packed the club season is, and it's packed to quite unreasonable level in many cases. Mm. It makes it very, very hard. I think it's difficult to know what to expect, not just from England, mm-hmm. but from a lot of other international teams. But when we talk about the the, the changing demographic of, of, of the England team, mm-hmm. on the whole, it's a positive thing because we're having players of great quality step in. And, yeah. and you know, there's, there's a challenge to a lot of the established places already. Mm. And um, I suppose that's an optimistic way of looking at the the goalkeeper situation, for yeah. example, isn't it? But I think for the for the team as a whole, it is, it is positive that there's so much talent jostling for position. Yeah, I think with with, with the idea of the sort of back three, clearly Southgate is concerned defensively, which is a shame because I think he said, you know, four three three, England have had joy against some of the smaller sides. You look at the goal scoring rate and so on and so forth. Um, but against the likes of Belgium, you know, the, and and the, the centre halves England have at the moment. Excuse me, have not had a great time of it of late. So, in, in he toyed, you know, he played a back three mm. against Denmark and so on. But I, I just the centre centre of midfield has always concerned me for England. I can't. I mean, you have to go back years. Now, I understand he likes the front three because you've got pace. And if you have a front three like them, the, an opposition side takes someone like Belgium who could dominate England. They can't squeeze England that high because of the danger that perhaps Sancho uh, or, or Rashford or whoever. Ha, 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 you know, you leave the back door open and they've got pace on the brain. Mm. For, for me, the main issue of England going forward is, yeah. is not actually the formation. It's the tempo. Mm-hmm. And something that was a problem going all the way back to twenty six Euro 2016 and before that, and actually has continued to be a problem mm-hmm. under Southgate, is that they play with that Premier League throttle all the yeah. time. Yeah. So you'll always hit this bit of a game where 60, 65 minutes in, England don't have any energy or ideas mm, left mm-hmm, in the tank. And, mm-hmm. and that proved a problem. I think, you know, you go to the Croatia semi-final, that was, that was the oh, ultimate yeah. manifestation of, feet, of, 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 of that, that problem. When they could have been two or three nil up, if you, you go to, you know, they, mm. they, they top load the game. And I kind of wonder if the situation that we're in, the fact that it's not possible to play like that for the whole season with... The, the schedule the way it is I'm wondering if the physical demands on the players actually rule that approach out which would actually be to England's benefit mm-hmm. I mean I think if you go back to lots of recent tournament winners and you include 
France in 2018, definitely Portugal in Euro 2016. Teams that realise we haven't got that much energy. Yeah. We've played 60 games this season. Mm-hmm. Let's play within ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be a little bit more circumspect. Let's almost plod our way to victory. And that has worked for so many tournament winners mm-hmm. in recent times. And if if England can get a little bit closer to that model, mm-hmm. even if it's by default, I think that maybe gives them a better chance going into the, the, the final championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I, but I, I totally agree with you, Andy. But again, my concern is having those players, especially in the centre of the pitch, which is crucial when you want to dictate the tempo. But someone like Calvin Phillips, I know he's a different type of player, but he does give England a slight different option. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a, there's a reason that he's been promoted quickly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I think you've hit on it, Marcus, mm. absolutely. But, you know, I feel interesting like... to see Ross Barkley playing in, in a sort of midfield position for Aston Villa because when he mm-hmm. originally signed, mm-hmm. um, me and Vish talked about on, on here, actually, about how they would fit him and Grealish in in the main team yeah. in, in the same team because you know we wonder uh, is that the sort of player you expect both of those really want to pull the attacking strings but mm-hmm. obviously we've only got a tiny if spectacular sample size yeah. of, of, of Grealish and Barkley playing together but you know it's maybe a window for Barkley it could be quite interesting to see how he does for the rest of the season I mm-hmm. would quite like to see this team set up with eight defenders Harry Kane and Jack Grealish yeah, like just go the ultimate <laughs> yeah. platform. Go on, Jack. You know you you wanted this for a long time. But we're going to make it absolutely perfect. But you've got a free roll. Gallop and Harry there the for you know if you need a bit of help up top. Yeah. You know, just go on, go for it, Jim. I think it's I think it's a I think it's an option, and it will remain <laughs> it will remain an option. Um, but there are important games tonight: the European Championship qualifying, of course. Uh, a fair few teams involved. It's the sort of the the semi final stage, if you like, of, of the players. One off games: Northern Ireland away to Bosnia Herzegovina. Uh, of course, Scotland host Israel. Um, Ireland away to to Slovakia as well. So um, some some intriguing ties. But England really, though, if you turn our attention to Northern Ireland, they lack a Stephen Davis, don't they? <laughs> that's what that's what they lack. I mean, he could become Northern Ireland's most capped player. Um, tonight, which would be 120 caps, uh, and that would take Pat Jennings' record. Wow! That shows you how uh, huge that record is, and 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 how long that's been. Pat Jennings um, was asked about this. The tributes were pouring in for Stephen Davis. He's absolutely loved and and well respected mm, yeah. for, for all those he's played with and against. But Pat Jennings said, "I spoke to him when he equaled the record. I'm going back to him to say well done for beating my record." Now, now. I think I think Pat Jennings is I'm sure is is, is very happy to see um, his record in one sense, but there's there's one word in this sentence which suggests to me that he uh, that he's slightly miffed and, and and see if you can guess it. He's a lovely lad and a great little player for Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah, <laughs> take out the word little Pat because yeah. you sound Come on, Pat. <laughs> Needless to say. Everyone's a little if you're a goalkeeper. Well, Andy. Should go without saying. Uh-huh. Whereas Ronald Koeman, um, when talking about Stephen Davis, said, big, big hug from me. Lovely. Ronnie K had to get in there, didn't Ronnie he? Ronnie K. Well, he managed him, of course. But the, the real praise was from Pochettino, who, who managed him, of course, at Southampton. The talent of him I compare to football people like Xavi and Andres Iniesta. Come on. It was big praise, Come Jim. on. <laughs> You put him in the same level as this type of player because and of you this... utterly undermine him. <laughs> <laughs> 
you make a nonsense of the tribute you're trying to make. I think that what he means is he's the type of player that means something to a side and can look after the ball like these yeah, players. Yeah, the one you look to in, in difficult situations. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Well, we, we wish Northern Ireland all the best. It's a tricky one against Bosnia-Herzegovina, as, as I say, but you could well win that as well. Um, uh, and so, uh, I mean, we could have Northern Ireland, Scotland uh, and Ireland progressing this evening, which would be quite interesting. So all great. eyes on, on, the, on, the, on the players there, because that actually does mean something. I think there's sort of 16 teams huge. involved yeah. and four of them will go through uh, to um, the championships uh, uh, as well. Before we go, gentlemen, did you see that uh, old Iggy scored for Inter Miami? What a free kick. Opened what his account. A nice. free kick. Gonzalo. Gonzalo. Do you remember when you discovered him, Jim? I rem- you say this quite often, yeah. I remember <laughs> just being baffled as to why people didn't talk about him more when he played for Real Madrid. Yeah. But yeah. When he yeah, played for Real Madrid. Come to me if you no want, was if you want to know about the starlets of the future. <laughs> You want to know who's playing up front for Real Madrid, kid? I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm I, pleased for him, Andy. He's had it. We, we were talking. I can't remember where. Maybe it was on Patreon or on on the football ramble itself. I just I felt a bit sorry for Iguain because he's often like quite derided in his homeland for for missing big chances in big games. And he's had a struggle with a lot of kits that don't fit him. Yeah, exactly. In, in yeah, yeah, yeah. And then well. and then he missed the penalty for Inter Miami the other week, and the opposition were giving him plenty. I'm glad that, he's that opened was, his account. He's he's got a bit of a thing. He needs to never miss a penalty again because if you think of that don't penalty. Take and and the the ruck that happened afterwards, yeah. it was almost identical to the penalty he missed for mm. Milan against Juventus, and then he had that complete meltdown yeah. afterwards. So either he needs to come off penalties, or for the good of it, the goalkeeper needs to do what Corinthian casuals used to do and just step aside and let him tap it in. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to see any of that. I don't want to see that Corinthian casuals approach uh, in in football now, Andy. Why not? Um, was not good in penalty shootouts, obviously. It could it could bring up allegations, and I'll leave it there. <laughs> but we're pleased for Iguain. He's off the mark. Yeah. So, so well done, him. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to uh, the Football Ramble today. Tomorrow's show, I'm back with Vish and Luke. We're going to be talking about England. England thrashing or getting thrashed or playing out a boring game. That's probably more likely of the three uh, against Wales. Uh, and a lot more. So uh, until then, uh, say goodbye, Andy Brassel. Goodbye. Goodbye, Jim Campbell. Bye. And it's goodbye from me. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.